0: Welcome to the Cork Church Podcast. We are so glad that you're joining us today. We hope that this message inspires you, builds your faith, and encourages you in the things of the Lord. Enjoy the message. All right. Good morning, Cork Church. It's good to be in the land of the living. Amen. If you've Dealt with that nasty COVID. You know exactly what I'm talking about. Back up and so good to be here. It's always hard to be away. Uh, and, uh, but I'm glad to be here in person. Glad to worship with you. Thank you, worship team. Isaac, you guys just get better and better. I tell you, what a, what a wonderful presence of the Lord. And we are enriched in God's presence here. You know, I don't think there's ever a time that we come in here Without a sense of God's presence and nearness. And you know Moses said it best. He said, "Lord, who are we? And how are we any different than anybody else if your presence doesn't go with us? And that's the truth, isn't it? His presence makes the difference in our lives. This morning, I want to minister from you uh, for you or to you out of the word of God, something that the Holy Spirit dropped in my heart. A verse of scripture that um, that the first time I heard it, it was actually through friends of ours uh, and in-laws of Pastor Nick, Michael and Rocky Bean. It was um, it was in uh, Psalm 37, verse three. We're going to be looking there. So if you turn to Psalm 37, we're going to be looking at this scripture. We're going to go through a few verses. That's a long a longer psalm. It's 40, 40 verses. We're going to read about 25 of them just to get the flow and the fill and catch what the Holy Spirit is saying to us. But there was a verse that I'll never forget. You know, when, when you when you first meet the Beans, uh, you know, you're just impacted uh, by their faith and their courage. And I, went, I was able to go up into the mountains where they ministered in Guatemala and uh, went in there. And saw the house that Michael built with nothing but a hammer some nails and a chainsaw and uh, saw the work of God that evolved and grew out of their lives and I'll never forget what Rocky Bean said and it stuck with me and it's something that I hope sticks with you but she said God gave her a word when she was there, when they were going through some very dark seasons and going through some battles as they were pioneering a work in a very dark part of the world. Uh, Before there was really this great faith in action. If you know anything about their ministry, their ministry has grown exponentially. Churches planted all over Guatemala. They've raised up hospitals and schools and you name it. These guys have done it. But she said God gave her a word, and it was it was chapter, uh, chapter 37, verse 3, and this was it. Trust in the Lord and do good. Live in the land and cultivate faithfulness. Yes. So this morning, I want to minister this to you, this thought, cultivating faithfulness in the fire. That's what I want to talk about to you this morning, cultivating faithfulness in the fire. Are we... To you. Oh yeah, what go. have we got there? There we are. I'm just, oh yeah, I'm just ministering to you. Oh yeah, thank you. Appreciate that. Cultivating faithfulness in the fire. So let's read 25 verses here, if you would, with me. And I want you to open your heart, because sometimes, you know, we can just let the word pass right by, and uh, it can just be another sermon. But let the word of God speak to you as we read it together. Psalm 37. Do not get upset because of evildoers. Do not be envious of wrongdoers, for they will will wither quickly like the grass and decay like the green plants. Trust in the Lord and do good. Everybody say that with me. Trust Trust in the Lord and do good. Live in the land and cultivate faithfulness Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. <clears throat> Trust also in Him, and He will do it. <clears throat> he will bring out your righteousness as the light and your judgment as the noonday. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for Him. Do not get upset because of one who is successful in His way, because of the person. Who carries out wicked schemes. Cease from anger. Abandon wrath. Do not get upset. It leads only to evil doing. For evil doers will be eliminated. But those who wait for the Lord. They will inherit the land. Can you say amen? Amen. Yet a little while. And the wicked person will be no more. And you will look carefully for his place. And he will not be there. But the humble will inherit the land. And will delight themselves in abundant prosperity. The wicked plots against the righteous and gnashes at him with his teeth. And the Lord laughs at him, for he sees that his day is coming. The wicked have drawn the sword and they've bent their bow to take down the afflicted and the needy, to kill off those who are upright in conduct. Their sword will enter into their own heart and their bows will be broken. Better is the the little of the righteous than the abundance of many wicked. For the arms of the wicked will be broken, but the Lord sustains the righteous. The Lord knows the days of the blameless, and their inheritance will be forever. They will not be ashamed in the time of evil. And in the days of famine, they will have plenty." But the wicked will perish, and the enemies of the Lord will be like the glory of pastures. They'll vanish. Like smoke, they'll vanish away. The wicked borrows and does not pay back, but the righteous is gracious and gives. For those blessed by him will inherit the land, but those cursed by him will be eliminated. The steps of a good man are established by the Lord, and he delights in his way. When he falls, he will not be utterly cast down. Amen? Isn't that wonderful? When he falls, he will not be utterly cast down because the Lord is the one who holds his hands. And that this is, we're going to close out with verse 25. I have been young, and now I am old. Yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken or his descendants begging for bread. Now, there's some things this morning in this psalm I want to draw your attention to help you to hear it. Not only to help you to hear it, but to consider it. You know, the the Lord calls to us as his people. Come, my people, let us reason together, says the Lord. And there comes a time when we come to the Word of God that we not only hear what God is saying, but we begin to consider what God is saying. We begin to hear and we begin to consider and then as we begin to consider that, when we begin to think on that, when we begin to reason and, and use our brain, use our mind to worship God, because that's one of the things that God calls us to, is to use our mind our, that God has given us to think and to worship Him with and to honor Him in our thoughts. And as we begin to honor Him in our thoughts, as we begin to consider these things that are before us, they begin to get integrated into our lives. We begin to get integrated. Uh, the Word of God begins to get integrated into our lives as we hear, as we consider, as we think about it. We begin to imbibe the Word of God, and it becomes part of us. And so I want you to hear some things this morning from the Word of God, and I want you to consider them then hopes that they may be integrated in your faith walk, in your journey with Him. The first thing I want to consider about Psalm 37 is that this psalm was written to give encouragement, to give wisdom and guidance for believers on the battlefield. This Psalm 37 is what's called a psalm of wisdom, and I used to teach psalms Uh, In Bible college, and this would be one of the wisdom psalms. There's different types of psalms, but a wisdom psalm is usually a a compare and contrast. it's, It's to show the benefits of living a godly life as opposed to not living a godly life. And here we have David giving us a bit of wisdom, a bit of insight, and that's what wisdom is. Wisdom is godly insight. Godly insight for daily living, for living out this life. And so this psalm is given to us to give us guidance as we are facing life's battles. And David is giving this to us almost like a field manual. You know, when you're a soldier, you get a field manual. You get handed to you some do's and don'ts in battle. You get handed to you some, uh, some, some basics and basic training. And this would be a basic training manual for Christians that are in the, in the line of fire. So this is a, a field manual for all of those Christian soldiers whose faith is under fire. And if you don't believe me, look with me at verses 12 through 14. This is his audience And these are the people that he's talking to. The wicked plots against the righteous and gnashes at him with his teeth. The Lord laughs at him for he sees that his day is coming. The wicked have drawn the sword and they've bent their bow to take down the afflicted and the needy, to kill off those who are upright in conduct. And then down further in verses 32 and 35, David says this, the wicked watches the righteous and seeks to slay him. I have... Seeing the wicked, in verse 35, in great power and spreading himself like a green tree in its native soil. This song is about warfare. This song is about believers caught in the crossfire of the enemy. And David is writing this psalm now as an elderly man of God. David died around the age of 70. So he is pushing towards the grave. And he has left behind him a trail of warfare. He was a man of bloodshed, a man that knew what it was to sharpen the sword and to face men down on the battlefield. He was a man that knew what it was to get into hand-to-hand conflict in the fight and the flight for righteousness and the kingdom of God, for the kingdom of God to advance in those days. For in those days, the battle wasn't just a spiritual battle, but it was a physical battle. The kingdom of God, Jesus said before John the Baptist, was carried forward by men with real swords, with real blood, with real sweat, with real tears, and it played out on natural battlefields. And David was one of those men that God used as a warrior to fight the battles of the Lord and to bring about his kingdom and expand his witness in the earth. And so here is a man that knew what opposition and warfare was really about. He is not an armchair quarterback, if you know what that means. He's not someone that is talking about something that he doesn't know what he means. He knows exactly what it means to be in the pitch heat of battle. And so he's writing this letter to those who know the heat of battle. And David knew what warfare was from the moment that God laid his hands on him until the day he drew his final breath, to the day that he pulled his legs up into his bed and said goodbye to this world. You read David's life, and even as he was on his deathbed, there was a coup, there was a war, there was always something gnawing at the heels of David because of the hand of God that was on his life. It wasn't anything about David, the person, as much as it was about David, the man that was beloved of God. You see, when God sets his affection on you, hell sets his hatred upon you. Satan hates what God loves. And David knew what it was to face satanically inspired opposition in his walk with God. He was hunted and hated by hell because God had laid his hands on him. He was a simple shepherd boy, out tending the flocks, had no no earthly ambition to be anything, and God calls this young man out, out out of seclusion, out of obscurity, puts his hand on him, and from that moment forward, he faced the enemy. Every day, in every way, he was tried and he was tested. And you read throughout the Psalms and throughout First and 2 Samuel how he went from one battle to the next. I was appreciative of what Pastor Stephen said about facing one wave after another wave. Because that is exactly what David's life was like. From one difficulty to the next. And that's how we get such enriched Scripture in the book of Psalms because most of those psalms were written through conflict. Most of those psalms were written through a, through a vessel that knew it was under the pressure of enemy fire. And thank God that God used a man named David to bring us these songs of victory and to show us a way through when it looks like certain defeat. He knew moments and seasons of peace, but for the most part, David was a man marked by fierce opposition to the work of God in his personal life. And somehow the enemy knew somehow the enemy knew that God God was going to work through this man's life and bring about the gospel. Somehow the enemy knew the importance of this man in the scope and the scheme of heaven. And some of his battles as we know in scripture were the result of his own failures, his own weaknesses. You know, you read about David's life and some of the battles that he faced, he brought on himself. In moments of weakness where he, maybe he numbered the people or moments of weakness where he gave in to sensuality. He invited into his life difficulty. But for the most part, for the for the most part of David's life, it was something about the hand and the call of God on his life. So when he writes about warfare and when he writes about opposition, this man knows what he's talking about. That's the point I'm trying to make. His life is a witness a testimony of God's keeping power and faithfulness. There were so many times when he should have been he should have been taken out There's so many times where he shouldn't have made it uh, due to his enemies, due to his own human failures and and all of these things, but it is a testimony that this man lived a life and died natural causes in trusting and and blessing the Lord, and it's a testimony to the faithfulness of God and his keeping power. And so when David talks about the keeping power of God and how God will bring you through, he knows a little bit of something about that. His life is a witness, a testimony of God's faithfulness and keeping power. His life is also a witness to what happens to a man or woman that God lays his hand on. It's a witness, folks. And this is true of every child of God. Every believer. When God touches your life, life, you become hated in hell. How many of you know that? You know, it's not something that we even recognize or talk about much anymore. But you are in the middle of a colossal spiritual battle. And you are hated. You are hated by hell. You know, we don't even think about that. But, you know, Paul was very clear to give the Ephesians instructions that we are on a battlefield. We are living in a hand-to-hand warfare. We are wrestling, not against flesh and blood, but in spiritual powers and principalities that are set to do you harm, that are set to undermine your faith and to bring you down in your journey with God. You've become targeted by an angry devil. And that angry devil wants to hurt you. He wants to harm you. He wants to delay you. He wants to stop you. He wants to quench the testimony of Christ in your life. You can read about it in Revelation 12 if you like, but the Bible says there's an angry devil that's come down in the last days knowing that his time is short and he is making war with the saints. And every believer, if you are a child of God, if the breath of God is breathed into your lungs, you were born onto a battlefield and you are going to taste the same backlash of the enemy that David tasted. Every believer is going to enter into seasons of testing and battles that at times seems like they will never end. Your faith and my faith will be tested by the spiritual powers of this world. You find that in Ephesians chapter 6. We are wrestling. And that is not some, you know, we think about spiritual warfare as taking place somewhere in some distant land some far out cosmos somewhere up there somewhere but what paul is describing is greco roman wrestling it is intimate it is close it is up close and personal it's not out there in the distance it is up in your grill it is right here happening in your life it is real And as you grow in your walk, as you progress in your faith, as God grows you, your battles and struggles will not get any easier. Folks, I want to tell you as a child of God, the longer you walk with God, your battles are not going to get easier. They're not. Some Christians believe that Christian maturity is some place of, of holy arrival, that you just reach this place of solace or, you know, uh, uh, you know some, some place of nirvana in your faith that, that you won't ever taste the battle, that your faith is somehow taking you over and, and you don't have to taste it. But that is not true. There's a Chinese proverb I heard recently that says, tall trees catch more wind. You ever heard that? and the more you grow, guess what? The more wind of opposition you're going to catch. The more fruit that God produces in your life. The closer you walk with Jesus, the more hell is going to hate you. The taller you grow, the bigger the target is on your back. And this is why Peter says, don't think opposition is something strange or a stranger that just showing up unaware that you, you shouldn't expect it. No, expect it. Expect it. Jesus said, in this world, you will have tribulation. You're going to get tested. You're going to be tried. The battle is inevitable, and the warfare is real. David, a man that knew warfare, that knew opposition, writes this psalm as an elderly warrior. He had scars up and down his body. He had taken many men's lives been faced with insurmountable odds over and over, been the object of many men's plots to kill and take him out, yet here he is with a pen in his hand, giving us wisdom to those of us that are in the fight, offering Holy Ghost encouragement to those on the battlefield. He has fought his battles, and here he was, an old man, looking back over all the battlefields he had fought on that had made him the man that he was. And when you read this psalm, you can hear the assurance and peace of a man that knows that God is in control. This is, this is no raw recruit. This is, this is a man that has been on the beaches of Normandy. <laughs> this is a man that has, that has, ha, ha, has fought through the enemy lines. This is a man that knows what it is to, to look the enemy in the eye. And to to come out victorious. This is a man that knows something about God's sovereignty and God's providence. And he knows about God's protection. That God has always been faithful to him. In every circumstance, even when he brought them unto himself. And had never once left him at the mercy of his enemies. Isn't that wonderful? David said, God never once let me over to the mercy of of my enemies even when those enemies gathered because of his own personal mistakes. And here he is offering you and I some wisdom on how to manage your life in the midst of opposition. And there's so much in this psalm for you. And if you read it, just, just reading it is encouraging. Just reading it inspires you. But I, but I want to help us this morning because I think there's something here that can help us stay on point when we face opposition you know it's 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 it goes without saying that it's a lot easier to serve god when life is less complicated it 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 you know when things are going our way it's easy to be gracious it's easy to give it's easy to serve it's easy to volunteer it's easy to love it's easy to forgive when things when the wind is at our back it does seem that way but it's when it's when you're Under pressure it's when you're in the fire that's where the rub is really at and one thing I want to look at in verse 3 as I shared with you there briefly about the beans I think it's one of the greatest pieces of wisdom to hold on to as you're facing your battle and and it's that second part of the verse let's read verse 3 again trust in the Lord and do good live in the land and cultivate Faithfulness. David said, in spite of your enemy, in spite of hell's plans against you, you need to maintain your trust in God. Keep doing good. Hallelujah. Isn't that wonderful? Live in the land and cultivate faithfulness. This, brothers and sisters, is solid wisdom. When your faith is under fire, David says, firstly, you've got to keep trusting the Lord in your battle. You, you've got to keep trusting him. That this isn't this isn't an issue of if it's going to happen. It's only an issue of when it's going to happen, your deliverance, and when the victory is going to come. It's not a matter of if, it's just a matter of timing. So, in that time of pressure, in that time of testing, David says, trust in the Lord as you're waiting on his timing. Trust in the Lord as you're going through the battle. Don't let the battle, the enemy's plans, the noise, the pain, rob you of your trust. Keep trusting. Keep trusting. Keep pointing your heart into the direction of trusting in God. And as you keep believing, don't let the enemy incapacitate you into a state of paralysis. That's what he says. Keep trusting and keep doing good. Don't let the enemy paralyze you. Don't let him ever get you into a place where you're, you're stopping in your forward motion. In, in your serving, in your giving, in your doing for the Lord, in your obedience, because that's what the enemy wants to do. He wants to stop your faith, and he wants to keep you from doing good. He wants to incapacitate you and paralyze you and discourage you. And David says, no. Now, hear this from, a, from an, an old warrior. If He's an old general, as it were, that had, that had been through the battles. He said, no. Note: don't succumb to the pressure of the enemy by being neutralized and put out of action. And what happens so often is we're hit hard by difficulty, by warfare, be it mental or physical, emotional, circumstantial, and we let it incapacitate us. We're living in a generation of feelings where we let feelings dictate our lives. And we and the enemy is all too happy to meet us on the battleground of feelings. He will gladly take us on in our feelings. Because our feelings can lead us to a place of being incapacitated. Because you cannot walk with God in your feelings. You cannot live in your feelings and know what it is to stand in faith. You cannot live in your feelings and know what it is to be led by God because God is going to lead you into places where your feelings you cannot trust, the things that you feel. You must stand on what you know to be true and your feelings will not ground you. Your feelings will not help you. Your feelings are not the solid ground to stand on. So David says you've got to trust in God and keep moving forward, even when you're hit hard, even when the warfare is intense, even when the plans of the enemy seem to be prevailing, even when it seems like he's spreaded himself like a green bay tree. Just keep trusting. Keep moving. Don't pull back. But that's oftentimes what we do, isn't it? I know myself, you get a hit, you get a slap, you get a backlash and you pull back. You you stop, you get a bit reticent and you yield that ground where once we served, where once we made ourselves available to others, where once we gave that extra mile, we, we now have stopped doing good because the battle has turned our heart and we've lost something in the fight. We've lost something in the fight. And brothers and sisters, as I said, warfare is inevitable. But what shouldn't be inevitable is where we concede our devotion, where we concede our love, our worship, and our sacrifice, and our passion for the Lord. That should not be inevitable. In the battle, there's no time to stop. It's not a time to stop. It's not a time to to pull back. David says you keep, as it were, standing. And sometimes standing is exactly what David is saying, doing good. I'm I'm standing and trusting in the Lord. I'm not allowing my battle to incapacitate me to the point where I'm just overrun. With fear and doubt, I'm moving forward in my faith and, and, and past the feeling, past the thresholds of, of, of feelings and all of that realm that we so easily get caught up. Don't stop serving. Don't stop living for him. Don't stop sharing the gospel. And it's in this faith push. It's in that place where you take that stand. You're going to find God mightily empower you and meet you in that place. How many of you know that? That, that? that just past that threshold, as you take your stand, as you continue to trust, you're gonna find God to meet you there. And I know, it's, I know it's sometimes with myself, I find it so easy to give up in the battle. And, and, I keep, and it's easy to lose that ground in our faith. But David says, no, learn to keep doing good. Learn to stay steady under fire. Learn to keep your face forward and your feet moving towards righteousness and towards the kingdom of God. Don't let it rob you of that. Learn to keep doing good, even if it's with your last breath. Praise him. Worship him. Serve him. Don't surrender your movement to the enemy. Hallelujah. I love that keep doing good and then we come to this part of the verse I love it dwell in the land and cultivate faithfulness and this is the heart of the message so bear with me maybe ten more minutes and we'll be finished but dwell in the land and cultivate faithfulness you know it's when you're in the battle that you want to run it's when you're in the fight that you want to turn it's it's when you're under pressure, is that when you want to you want to give up on your inheritance and what God has given you, because of the heat because of the difficulty. I love what the scripture says. Some versions say, "Dwell in the land and you shall be fed." But but this this version I think is is closer to the the heart of what David was saying by the Holy Spirit, because when you look at what David is trying to convey, this rendering fits this peace this puzzle so much better don't let the enemy push you from your inheritance the ground that God has given you all of the grace all of the goodness all of the peace all of the comfort all of the promises stay in the land don't concede one promise don't concede one comfort of God dwell in your land and cultivate faithfulness hallelujah I'm not going to give up my inheritance like the man that stood his ground on a patch of lentils it was it was only a lentil patch but it was his lentil patch it, it wasn't much but it was his hallelujah <laughs> and as he stood and as he cultivated faithfulness and as he just he stood He stood his ground. The power of God met him, and he was able to defend, and he was able to push back the enemy that had come in and so strongly into his life and and to take what God had given this man. Don't let the battle turn your heart from being faithful. This is just a simple word, but it's so true. Remain faithful in the battle. Learn to cultivate faithfulness in the battle. Don't wait till the battle is over. Don't wait for the, vic- the victory is going to come. As I said, it's a matter of timing. It's not an if. God is going to bring you out. God is going to bring you through. God is going to see you through difficulty and challenge. It's just a matter of when, not if. So right where you are, learn to be faithful. Learn to suffer wrongs done to you and respond with forgiveness. It's here in the battle. It's here where your faith like gold is tested and tried that you cultivate faithfulness. This is your testing ground. This is the time where you get to cultivate faith in your life. This is the time that, that you get to shepherd as it were. Because that's what, really what David is saying. This is, this is really what he's saying in this verse. You have to be intentional with the way you lead yourself in the day of battle. You have to be intentional in the day of battle and how you lead your heart. You have to cultivate. You have to make a choice to remain faithful. You have to make a choice to shepherd your heart. In the Hebrew, this word is also shepherd or pastor. So you have to shepherd your heart towards the faithfulness of God when things get hard. Folks, I'm going to tell you, the pastor's not going to do it. We can encourage you, and we can shepherd you in your faith, and we can, we can bring messages like this to encourage you. But when you're there all alone, when you're in the thick of the battle, and you're, you're standing eye to eye with the opposition, you have to learn to shepherd your heart into the faithfulness of God. You've got to learn to shepherd your thoughts and your heart and lead your heart into trusting in the Lord. You've got to learn, and I think this is one reason why we don't see a lot of you know in the in the western world a lot of strong leaders rising because people don't know how to lead themselves. We need to learn how to lead ourselves when there's nobody around to lead us. We've got to learn how to shepherd our hearts and and encourage ourselves to go the way that God wants us to go. And this is what David is saying. In the time of battle is when you must shepherd and pastor your own soul towards faithfulness. It's here where the false comfort of self-pity becomes an enemy to faithfulness. And it's in this battle where you learn to lead yourself away from self-pity. Self-pity is is the enemy of faith. Self-pity will zap your faith it will rob you of victory. And it will keep you on a low plane of existence in your spiritual journey with God. You've got to learn to put your foot to the door with self-pity. You've got to learn to shut the voice out. And you've got to learn to shepherd your heart into a place where you can begin to hear the voice of God and begin to discern it for yourself. Because it's in the battle is where you learn to lead yourself away from self-pity. And into victory. You learned you can't afford to let your heart be overrun with lies about God's faithfulness and goodness. Over and over again, David in every battle had to shepherd his heart towards the heart of God. And that's why we have the Psalms. That's why he wrote, because he was shepherding his heart. He was writing his prayers out and he was shepherding himself towards the faithfulness of God. And this is what David's saying, folks, when you're in the battle, it's time to shepherd your heart. It's time to gather the flock of your thoughts and your heart and begin to shepherd it towards your, the faithfulness of God. Begin to turn it towards who God is and his character. Because he knew that if he didn't cultivate faithfulness in his own heart towards God, the enemy would give every reason for him not to trust the Lord. And there are times in our battles where we have to put our foot to the door and push back on the enemy's lies. We have to say, no, I'm going to be faithful to the revelation of the love of God in Christ Jesus. I'm going to be faithful to the revelation that God is for me. I'm not going to allow the enemy to ransack my mind and lead me into a dark hole and a pit of unbelief. These things are non-negotiable. And David knew all too well what happens when you don't shepherd your heart in the day of battle. David knew. David knew what it was not to cultivate faithfulness, but instead draw back from the battle and feed lesser appetites. You can read about it in 2 Samuel. We're not going to go there. But in 2 Samuel chapter 11, I believe it is, the Bible says when kings went out to battle and it was time for David to go to war, he stayed home in the spring and he fed baser lusts. Instead of shepherding his heart and going into battle and and leaning on the faithfulness of God, he he chose to to stay back from the battle. And he didn't shepherd his heart. And he introduced a whole other battle into his life with skeleton armies from his past that invaded his life years and years later. That he had to watch the death of his own son and mourn the death of a child that he loved because he was incapacitated. He didn't shepherd his heart in the day of battle. And the Bible says, Nathan says, because you've not shepherded your heart in the day of battle, there's going to be a sword in your life the rest of your life. And folks, I've, I've experienced that personally. When I've not shepherded my heart properly in the day of battle, and I've, I've invited a sword into my heart, I've invited things into my life that are there, that I have to contend with. But even in that, God gives grace, amen? Even in that, God gives grace. So David knows what he's talking about when you don't cultivate faithfulness. But you see, David knew how to cultivate faithfulness. And this is what I wanna close with on, a, on the upside of things. If you look in First Samuel chapter thirty, because I'm going to show you what it is to cultivate your heart, cultivate faithfulness in the time of trouble. First Kings, sorry, First Samuel chapter thirty. The Bible talks about David being in a time of war, and it says the enemy had come in and taken his family, had taken his village, had burned it, taken his children. And it was a very difficult position to be in because all of his men, the 600 of them, talked about stoning him. But you see, David knew what it was to shepherd his heart in the day of battle. And I love this about him. It says, David was in a difficult position because the troops talked about stoning him for they were all very bitter over the loss of their sons and daughters. But David encouraged himself and his God. Hallelujah. Isn't that wonderful? Here's a man that knows how to shepherd his own heart. Here's a man that could have just caved and and wound up under a, a pile of stones, as it were. But the Bible says he strengthened himself in God. He encouraged himself in God. This is what David is talking about. Dwell in the land and cultivate faithfulness. Sometimes you have to fight to encourage yourself when the pastor's not there, when the songs are not there, when there's no worship music that you can find on, online that can encourage you, when there's no messages online that will encourage you. There are times, my friends, brothers and sisters, where you have to get along with God, and you've got to find encouragement. You've got to encourage yourself in the Lord. You've got to shepherd your heart towards the faithfulness of God. Hallelujah when there's nobody else to do it, when there's no one else around that you can rely on, you've got to learn, brothers and sisters, to get along and say, I'm not going to go the way of self-pity. I'm not going to go the way of bitterness and fear. I'm going to turn my heart towards the things of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And he started shepherding his heart towards the things of God and cultivating faithfulness. I'm not going to let the enemy take from me the, the victory that I know God has for me because I know that God is for me. And I don't care how bad the situations look. I've been in scrapes much worse than this one. And I know God is going to be faithful to me. And I love it. He says, David, he went out. I'm sure he just got alone. And sometimes you just got to get alone. You got to get away from the voices. David said to the abbot, bring me the ephod. And in the Hebrew, there's an the exclamation point there. There comes a point sometimes in your life and you've got to say, bring me the ephod. Bring The ephod was the, was the, the vestment that the, the high priest wore. And it was a place where, of connection because David couldn't make it to the throne. He couldn't make it to the tabernacle. He was running for his life. But he had on him, the priest had given him the ephod had given him this this breastplate uh, that that had the the gems and all of the the high priests would wear it into the Holy of Holies. And he says, bring me the ephod. And the Bible says that he went and he, he, he took the ephod and he inquired of the Lord and God answered him. God spoke to him. Now, folks, we don't have a holy item that we grab hold of. We don't have an ephod. But, folks, we've got someone who does wear an ephod. We've got someone who stands in glory. Hallelujah. And there comes a time where you've got to come to the throne of grace and you've got to say, bring me the ephod. Bring me the high priest. Bring me before the throne of God. And let me find a word from heaven for myself and my family where God will speak to me. And this is a call from the Holy Spirit to each of us to learn how in the moments of battle to not be incapacitated in our faithfulness, in our calling out. But it's to, to, to reach that point. Some of you are at that point right now where the voices are just They're stoning you. You're under a pile. And you need to reach your hand up. And you need to say, bring me the ephod. Hallelujah. I'm shepherding my heart towards the faithfulness of God. I'm shepherding my heart towards one who can help me. Because some of us have allowed the battle to interfere with our faithfulness. And if we're honest, the battle has brought a sour note to our song It's hardened us. It's caused us to live more in the grief and pain of the battle than in the grace and comfort of the Holy Spirit because we've stopped drawing on God's goodness. Folks, you can't allow the battle to make you better, to rob you of your servant's heart, to rob you of your song, to rob you of your generosity, to make you more cynical than open-hearted and believing. The call of the Spirit is to dwell in the land and to cultivate faithfulness regardless of the battle that we face. What's it going to be? What will it be for you? If if you're in a battle right now and you're in a a serious warfare and you know it can either be a pile of stones or it can be a place of rising up in victory, what are you going to choose? I pray this morning by the Holy Spirit that you choose to shepherd your heart towards the faithfulness of God and you see that God is for you and the lies of the enemy are not true. You're not going to be left under a pile of stones, forgotten, but God is going to see you through this and God is going to be faithful to you. Don't let the battle paralyze your sensitivity to the Spirit to rob you of the kindness of Christ. This afternoon, the Holy Spirit is saying, the battle is, is mine. Now let me help you. Let me overshadow you. Let me give you grace to remain faithful under fire. And as you do that, God is going to give you a victory in your heart, regardless if anything changes or not. Hallelujah. Will you stand with me? We're going to close. Folks, it's time to encourage yourself in the Lord right here. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The Holy Spirit said, if you just encourage yourself in the Lord, shepherd your heart towards the faithfulness of God. I want to tell you, there have been times in my life that I can look back in battles that I had to shepherd my heart towards the faithfulness of God because I didn't have a word from anyone to encourage me. I'll never forget, and I'll share this with you as we're going to close in prayer, I'll never forget my son David. all of you know him. He's like 6'3". He's massive. He's funny. He's very smart. He's an intelligent guy. But there was a time we received a word when he was in his mother's womb that he was not going to make it. He was going to be incapacitated. He wouldn't speak. They said that he was going to be very small. He probably wouldn't talk. They said all these things about him. And I'll never forget coming to my Ziklag. I'll never forget I had a choice to make. To let this thing get on top of me and, and, and live under the fear of what my son was going to be like. And I'll never forget I was in a prayer meeting. Hallelujah. And I just shut it out and said, Lord, bring me the ephod. Hallelujah. Shepherd my heart towards your faithfulness. And I'll never forget the breakthrough in my spirit. The Holy Spirit said, your boy is going to be fine. Hallelujah. And if anybody knows him, he's fine. He's got some challenges, but he's not not an invalid. He's not anything like they said that he was going to be. But God knew that, and God took care of him. God brought us through. Right now, let's pray. Hallelujah. Some of you need to encourage yourselves in the Lord and take your stand and cultivate faithfulness under fire right now. And God's going to give you victory. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And Father, we ask you now that the Holy Spirit would move in this congregation and bring strength and encouragement to all those who are under fire. To all those who are under the battle, to those, Lord, who are bending to self-pity, to those who are, the enemy has just got there in a mind warp and a mind trap, and they see no way out. Father, in the name of Jesus right now, I pray that you would break through And, Father, there would be a glory, there would be a victory that would come into the heart of every believer under the sound of my voice in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Father, I ask you now that you would release those this morning by the power of the Holy Spirit that we would shepherd our hearts towards the faithfulness of God and we would put our foot to the door and we would say, God is for me. He is going to see me through. Hallelujah. I will not go backwards. I'll not yield my heart, my sensitivity to the Holy Spirit over to the enemy anymore. I'll not dwell in self-pity and self-condemnation, but I'll rise up and call for the ephod and I'll encourage myself in the Lord this morning. Hallelujah, folks right where you are, call on Him right where you are, call on the name of the Lord hallelujah Jesus, break through this morning there are families that need breakthroughs this morning for health there are families that need breakthrough in their marriages breakthrough in their hearts in the name of Jesus I pray that you would redeem and bless and touch by the power of your Holy Spirit hallelujah hallelujah Lord, we love you today We bless you today, Lord, and we shepherd our hearts. We cultivate faithfulness. We shepherd our hearts towards the faithfulness of God. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Can we give the Lord a hand clap? Hallelujah. God is good. Hallelujah.